Hi, friend. Hi, friend. <laughs> hey, guys. So, you know, we are, again, apologies for the audio. One more time, we are recording via FaceTime on our applications, okay? And friend is over here serving me looks with this hair over here. I see you. Yes, girl. I had to go mighty far for this, but she was worth it, okay? So, outside is back open, open, huh? Nah, not really. Like, you have to have an appointment. You got to be an essential worker in order to get with the lady that got, that did my hair. So, luckily, I had all two. <laughs> <laughs> so, I wanted to, like, my nail shop still isn't open yet, but I'm still kind of, like, nervous about it. But I'm dying to get my hair done. But I'm like, let me be a little patient. So, whichever. Don't all right. Trying to get done to your hair front. Huh? What you trying to get done to your hair front? I don't even know. I don't even know, to be perfectly honest with you, um, I'm just tired of doing it. I don't know if I want to sew in. I don't I don't know. You got time to figure it out. Nothing's really going to be open, open, for real, for real. You're right. You're right. Okay, so I know we haven't done questions in a while, friend, but growing up, Barbies or baby dolls? Barbie. Why? Baby dolls was a lot of work. Like, I didn't want to be nobody's mother and feed and have to change diapers and cook. And I, I wasn't trying to do all that. I mean, I had bar- baby dolls every now and again. Like, don't get me wrong, but Barbies was not trying. Like, I had a, the Barbie mansion and a Barbie car. I had a Ken doll. I had the black Ken doll where I would dip, like, a little Q-tip and his mustache would change from, like, a full beard to half a beard. It was lit. I had the pregnant date. I had the pregnant Barbie. I had the airplane. Girl, you couldn't tell me nothing. Oh, your house. Okay, so you had all the Barbie stuff. I was a Barbie girl, oh, yeah, too. My friend, but I used to, like, tell my, my mom. Mother, Go ahead. My, my grandmother wasn't playing when I told her I like Barbie. She, she went out and bought everything that she can think of. See, I, okay. So when I had pay with baby dolls, there was this one specific doll I wanted. It was called Baby Born. I must have asked for that fucking doll every birthday, every Christmas. And I finally got it, but I have to buy it with my birthday money. But I used to, like, fake spank my kids. Like, I would hold the doll on my hip, and then I would, like, have, like, my little imaginary kids. And I'd be, like, popping them. Like, I would pretend we was going to the store. But I preferred Barbies because my mom used to watch. You know how they had them soap operas on TV? Mm-hmm. She used to record them. Like, she used to, like, record them when she was gone or whatever it was. And I used to play out soap operas and... I didn't have the Barbie pool. I had like a Fisher-Price dollhouse. So my Barbies were a little bit too big for that, but they didn't matter. And I didn't have a pregnant Barbie, but I did like stuff like little clothes underneath her shirt so she could look pregnant. So little things like that. Um, So yes, I would say Barbies too. Okay. Hide and seek or tag? Was it Freaky Friday hide and seek? Girl, goodbye. Girl, goodbye. <laughs> is it cartoon tag or is it... Friend, tag. Like, it's, it's so many questions. Just tag. Hide and seek or tag? The hide and seek. Hide and seek? Yeah. Okay, were you the hider? Did you prefer to be the hider or the seeker? Same, yo. I used to be thinking, like, my imagination was fucking wild. And as a grown-ass adult, 
if some little kids want to play hide and seek, like, I'm fucking down. Like, I'm a beast at fucking hiding. But I used to really be thinking, like, I was in, like, a horror movie or, like, I was running from a monster or some shit like that. And I remember, like, having to, like, cover my mouth so that I wouldn't breathe too loud or start giggling and shit when I heard people near me. So, yes, I hide and seek all day, every fucking day. And tagged, don't nobody got time to be fucking running around. And I used to get mad when people hit me that I would randomly make things base. I'd be like, base, you can't touch me. Base. This is base. Right. I used to hate that, like, everything was base. It's like, no, we agreed on one spot. But this is the extended base. Ain't no goddamn extended base. Bitch, base is up the street. Yes, it used to piss me off. But anyways, okay, so when I tell you this week and like just news obviously everything has been a lot of attention on the George Floyd thing but before we get into that I wanted to talk about this story and I don't know if you actually read it but there was a woman did you see the story about the the YouTuber and her adoption story no okay so there was this a YouTube couple and this woman she went ahead she already has four children on her own and she went ahead and she adopted this a little boy from China. She already knew prior to adopting him that he was autistic and that he had some other uh, developmental disabilities and maybe some other handicaps along the lines. So she went ahead and she adopted him. She had the little boy for maybe about two or three years. And then when she was going, when she was journeying her adoption process, um, her YouTubers, you know, they were her subscribers. They were donating money for her trip to China and blah, blah, blah. And she was always documenting, documenting, documenting her um, journey with her son as he learned sign language and, you know, just dealing with an autistic child. So I guess for a while now, her guests weren't seeing her. They weren't seeing that little boy for a while. And then her and her husband finally spoke and they said, we've decided to, quote unquote, rehome him because his needs were beyond more than what we could handle. And we gave him back up. So I wanted to know your thoughts on this. Mind you, this is a white family who adopted this little boy from China and he had special needs and he was in the home with them for about two or three years and they just decided this is too much for them and they decided to go ahead and rehome him and or give him up to another family. You can do that. Like, I know it's like foster care, but once you fully adopt somebody. No, he was fully adopted. Right. Once you fully adopt somebody, you can you can essentially give them back. Apparently so. Okay. So first of all, everybody knows that I have my son has autism as well, and yes, they can be a little more than what you can handle at that time. But you knew what you were getting yourself into. Mm-hmm. You knew. You knew all of the things that was happening or or going on with the child before you even decided to adopt him. So I'm just kind of confused on how you go about saying it's a little too much. Granted, you have four other kids and you decide, okay, so was he number four or was he additional? Would he be the number, the the fifth child? So I think he was, so to my knowledge at the time, he would have been their fourth child, and then they had another little boy after him. So he was so he was the second youngest. But here's my thing, and I totally agree with you. First of all, I think when you think about adoption, being able to adopt is extremely difficult. It's very expensive. Um, a lot of times they give, you know, you 
there's a lot of stipulations. So they want you to be um, married. They want you, they want to know your job. They want to know what school you went to. They want to know your background. They want to know this. They want to know that. And a lot of times, a big controversy with adoption has been is that you know they've been give they a lot of same sex couples have difficulty in adopting children because they say you know is this for the best interest of the child? Um, you know they want to make sure that they're married, even if you're financially stable. They're just they're they're very iffy about it. And I know there's always a lot of controversy and we joke a lot of times about, you know, white people going to other countries and adopting children. And they were saying, you know, it had nothing to do with him being Chinese or whatever the case was. We would have adopted a child from another country. We were looking at countries in Africa. And I think first and foremost, I think of the child, you know, the child was already given up. You know, when he was in the foster care of the orphanage system for however long ago in China, then he has to come here to a completely different country, completely different people. And then he also is autistic on top of that. So he's taking that time to be bonded with you. And then all of a sudden, when you decide, oh, it's too much for me, I'm going to give this child away. So for me, I think to myself, you knew what the issues were. You knew what you were getting your hands in. And knowing people who have autistic children, I do know that, you know, um, there's a spectrum of things. And I do know that, you know, things could change. You know, you may have been thought that you might have thought that you were dealing with one particular thing. And in reality, you know, other things may come up as they age and progress. So for me, I'm just I'm, I'm very disturbed. And I know a lot of her followers were requesting their money back. Um, and they were saying, you know, we paid for you to go out there and get this child. We were very supportive of you. We want our money back. But then I also think, like, you know, what are you teaching your children? That your your biological children? Oh, it was too hard, so we gave them up. If that was someone that you viewed as your child, why would you do that? But then on the flip side, I feel like, you know what? I rather you put the child in the home. Like, how dare you just sit up there and give the child up? Yeah. So he came, he was already damaged in the child care system, in foster care. Then he comes and he's thinking that he is loved and supported by you all. And then you just decide that you want to give him up because it's too much for you. Yeah. And then also, like, there's that. And then I think of what do you tell your other children? How do you explain to them that? And I think, first of all, I, I, I rather the child be in a home to where he is loved and he's supported and he's getting everything that he needs. So I do think it was selfless in that aspect, but kids are not pieces of trash that you can pick and choose. Because what if her, what if one of her children ends up one day developing something, you know, later on down the line, then what are you going to do? You're going to give them up? Like, I just don't, I don't understand that. But then you have people who are ready and willing to adopt kids who will take them flaws and all and then some, but you don't want to give them, you don't want them to adopt because, oh, maybe it's a single parent or maybe because it's, you know, a black woman or maybe because, you know, the couple is same sex. So I think it's reasons like this that contribute to why adoption is so fucking hard in this country, you know? And then yeah. the fact that they go and they travel to these other countries, girl, it's 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 disgusting. It's bothersome. It it truly is. But I just hope that that little boy, um, you know, I hope that he's progressing accordingly. I do. So when did they get him? Technically, give him up because was it? It wasn't in the middle of this pandemic, was it? So it was in the middle of the pandemic. So this was he. They maybe gave him up. I want to say maybe like February. I feel before everything was like transpiring, people were just saying like all of a sudden, you know, they stopped seeing the little boy. So I, 
I want to say maybe February, but it came out a couple of weeks ago on their page. Wow. Yep. So speaking of kids, did you see the Sesame Street video where they're explaining what a protest was? Yes. And I thought that was so... Before we get into it, I do just want to say, I know they're monsters, but Elmo's dad is black. That's a black man. You saw how he was talking to Elmo? Yeah, the guy that does Elmo's voice, if I'm not mistaken, is a black man as well. Okay, okay. I had to be, I had to be, I'm like, Elmo's dad is like, that's a black monster. Yeah. Okay, okay, good. But go ahead, friend, I'm sorry. It was so touching to see that, because, you know, kids, they don't understand a lot of things. And we as adults don't really try to break it down for them where they can basically understand. So I do commend Sesame Street for, you know, stepping out there to provide them with this information on what's going on, what's surrounding them. Even with the coronavirus, I don't know if they did anything for the coronavirus, mm-hmm. but I know they entered, like, um, a Sesame Street puppet that had autism and uh, I think another one that only spoke sign language. Like, they're trying to be more diverse and I appreciate that. Yeah, Sesame Street has been known historically as, um, so just like being very informative to kids. So I know they do have a, a character on there who's autistic. I remember they had an episode about talking to people about kids, you know, if their parents goes away to jail or, you know, like it's always been instrumental, but because you are a mom and I know your kids are a little bit younger, but have you ever thought how you have to, how you will explain racism or things like this to them? Like what are some of the steps that you think that you'll have to take with them? Especially since you have a boy and a girl. Yeah, so I think for my son, because he is older, we're, of course, going to have to have the conversation with him a lot sooner than my daughter, mm-hmm. but at the same time, he has autism, so I don't know how he would how he would understand if, I mean, I'm not saying he couldn't understand, but I'm just trying to figure out how we would go about having this conversation with him. Was the conversation ever had with you growing up? No. So I asked Kumle, um, this past week I was on a town hall Zoom call with some people from college. And uh, one of the girls on there, shout out to Janelle, she is a lawyer. And her parents, I believe her her father is a corrections officer, her mother was a police officer, and then there was another police officer on there we were having these conversations. So I remember just asking Kumle afterwards, I was just like, you know, did you did your mom ever have the conversation with you about, you know, police officers and just being black or whatever it was. And he says, not specifically, but we always knew that the police were authority, authoritative. So there wasn't necessarily any need to have particular conversations. He says, however, his mom would say certain things. But I wonder now, like, how do you have that, like, that actual conversation? And then I was talking to my cousin, and she was saying with her son, you know, he's not allowed to wear hoodies. She said, if we go out in public, he's not allowed to wear hoodies unless he's with me, and he's only allowed to put his hood on should it be raining or it's super cold. And I was just like, wow, that's crazy. I never thought about that. Those little things I've never thought about. Yeah, that's one good aspect to think about. But it's so sad that we shouldn't even have to come to this where our kids can't even wear hoodies. That's crazy. Yeah. It's 
it's it's crazy. Like, um, I did see George Floyd's uh, young daughter. They interviewed her, and you know, she was just saying, you know, how her dad changed the world. And it's crazy because kids kids get it so simply, but then at the same time, it's just like, how do you comprehend something so simple to say they don't like you because of the color of your skin? You know, and when they're asking for a why, it's just like I don't know why. I, I don't know why. I can't imagine having that conversation with kids. But, you know, if parents you are looking, you know, to explain something, you know, specifically with the protest, I think that was a really, really, really great episode. Um, it was just a clip that I saw of it. They just part of that part of it. Um, but it was great. And I think it broke it down in the simplest form to where if I was an adult and so some of those alt-rights when we're having to explain uh, Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, I think um, it's comprehensive for adults to get who don't seem to fucking understand why people are doing what the fuck they're doing. Right, and that's the thing I don't understand. Like, I get, like, yes, all lives matter. However, when you are African-American, your life, you have a 50% chance of making it home every day. Mm-hmm. And people do not understand that. But, I think it's just, of, Go ahead, friend. Speaking of all lives matter and everything, ma'am, you were down there. Okay, so outside did sort of kind of open back up. I did go to... First of all, it was hot as fuck. Let me just say that. Um, I was super panicky, but I was masked up, masked up, uh, had my sanitizer, my Lysol, and everything. Um, well, my friend had her Lysol. Um, so I went to the Black Lives Matter protest yesterday, which was Saturday, and this was supposed to be the biggest one. So they've essentially been protesting in D.C. all week long. And then as you guys saw that they were having, you know, um, people were, it did end up turning into some rioting. And, you know, we did see that sometimes it was the police officers. And then there were a lot of out-of-towners that were coming in and they were beginning the looting processes. So I was a little bit apprehensive and I didn't know what I was going to walk into. Um, I did go to the Women's March before. Uh, the big one that they had in D.C. after President Trump won. And that was just a very surreal experience. And I was definitely on the fence of it. Um, but prior to me going, I had a conversation with uh, Kula and I said, you know something? I was just like, if we're going to go, please understand that we have to be prepared in any event something pops off. And it's crazy that we have to think like that. But thank God nothing happened. But um it was beautiful. I was very surprised at the amount of white people that I saw. And I am curious to know if they were coming in from Virginia and if they were coming in from Maryland. Um, I did see the Black Lives Matter, uh, um, the signage that Muriel Browser posted, and it's now called Black Lives Matter, I think, Lane or Street or something like that, or Way. Um, granted, you couldn't really get the full effect of it because everybody was like walking down there, but it was surreal. And they had all the doctors come out and it was like white coats for Black Lives Matter. And it was beautiful. It, it really, it truly was. Um, I encourage people if there's opportunity going on, like in your community, community, you don't need to necessarily go out to D.C. But even if there's something small going on in your neighborhood, go to it. Because those are the places that conversations happen. You know what I mean? Um, my friend Janine, she made a shirt for me and it said, Dear Karen, mind your business. Um, so people are coming up to me and asking me, and this one white lady was just like, can I take a picture of your shirt? And I was like, sure. And she was just like, my daughter is black. And she tells me all the time, mom, don't be a Karen. Now I didn't need to know that your daughter was black. Maybe that was her olive branch, but okay. 
I did not need to know that. Uh, they had DJs out there. Um, so people were uniting and they were dancing to that. You know, as black people, we love the music. That's just how we communicate as a people. Um, but when you're there, you don't see the magnitude of how many people are there. But when I came home and I watched it on TV, like motherfuckers were coming from all over DC. Like they had people walking over the across the bridge from Arlington into DC. Like it was crazy. It was crazy. It was very surreal. Have you ever been to have you been to any of the protests or marches? Unfortunately, I have not made it out there yet. If it wasn't Corona time, do you think you would have gone? Corona or not, I mean, well, I'm not going to say Corona or not because Corona has made a big impact. Even, yeah, if it wasn't Corona, I think I would go out there. I'm just fearful because of, I want to take my kids to this historic moment. I want them to be a part and to embrace their black culture and to see that it's black is beautiful and you are okay to be who you are. But I'm very fearful because I hear a lot of stories where police officers are pointing guns at toddlers and children yeah. and they're firing rubber bullets and there's uh, pepper spraying and different things like that. And I just don't want to be, I'm not going to say I don't want to be a part of that, but I don't want my kids to, to get harmed. Yeah. And I don't have anybody to watch my kids. Yeah. So, and that was a big okay. thought. I did see a lot of kids out there. Um, however, I went early. So my recommendation would be if you go, maybe go earlier. It was weird to see like the snipers on the buildings. It was really, really weird to see that. Or the, I don't know if they're specifically called snipers, but you know what I mean. The military folks is on the buildings. Um, but they are having, um, what's, the, what's the man name? The old man. Who's at everybody's funeral with the perm? Oh, his Al name Sharpton. is yes, Al Sharpton. He is putting together. Jesus <laughs> Christ! No, <laughs> he got skinny too, but no, no, no. So they're putting together another Million Man March, and that'll be a bigger one, um, and that will be August twenty eighth in DC. So I definitely want to um, go to that's that sweet. one. I feel like that's really late. Well, I think it's a matter. I'm not sure if it's the anniversary of when they normally have the Million Man March. But I think okay. I think it's important to have simply so that, number one, the message isn't being forgotten because we do have a tendency to we're so pro this, we're so pro that. And, yes, let's make a change and then we forget about it. Um, so I do think it's important and I think it also allows time to properly organize things, you know, to get speakers, to get this, to get that. And then, you know, have people who want to travel to come. And I think that's the difference with um, when I went to the Women's March. When I tell you, like, there were busloads of people coming. And, you know, I, you guys know I'm from Connecticut originally. And there were buses coming from my hometown just to come out to the Women's March. When I tell you, like, it was insane. When I tell you, like, waiting at the Metro. But I wasn't even mad because you you felt the energy of people. And you were there. You were talking to people. You know, they were sharing their stories. And I remember asking my aunt. I was just like, why did you come all the way from Connecticut to come here? And she says, I'm a mother of three daughters, of three black daughters. And she says, I want them to experience history. And she says, and I want to make sure that they're a part of, you know, making sure that their rights, you know, that there's rights for them and things like that. So she says, you know, I can't preach about it. And then I'm not there to show them. I'm coming because I want them to know that I'm fighting for them, that I care about their future. So that was really telling to me. And that was kind of my mindset in going 
to the protest. I was just like, you know what? Let me go and do my part. We don't know what conversations can be had. We don't know this. So it was, I don't know. I can't really describe it unless you've ever been to one. Um, I highly recommend that you go. Hopefully the one that's supposed to be planned for August is 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 definitely going to happen. But I encourage you, Arshay, like put them kids in a stroller, get there early, pack your water, pack your snacks and just go. You will not be upset that you went. I promise you. And you're yeah. not going to be the only mom there with kids. Yeah, I definitely think I would have to go out early. And I definitely want to be a part of this historical part. Like, 2020 has been nothing but historical. Like, we have gone from... It's been a clusterfuck. That's what it's been. Girl, we were talking about going back to war. Then from, from January to mid-February up until part of March, that was all we were focused on. February came and Kobe Bryant died. So February kind of taken over with the that just going to coronavirus from mid March, April, May, June, end of May, mm-hmm. June. Here we are, friend. You're breaking up now. It, it's crazy. It's crazy how they, this is the most historical year I think we've had so far. It hasn't even been a complete year yet. Yeah, and I think it's literally like I have never watched so much news in my life. Um, and I really feel like every time I turn around, it's something else. And I'm choosing to change my perspective on it. And I'm, I'm going to get a little biblical here with y'all for a second. Like, I really feel that sometimes in life, God will sit you down to talk to you. I feel like God will make things happen to get your attention. And I feel like he may have tried in subtle ways. And I think I look at it with the presidency. I think Trump needed to be elected so that we can shed light because I feel like as America, we like to cover up a lot of things and we like to act as if, oh, this isn't still going on. There isn't still racism here, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I think electing, getting Trump into office, you are beginning to see people's true colors. People that you wouldn't have thought voted for Trump voted for Trump. You understand what I'm saying? Um, the, the racism, you know, how, you know, for our for the people, um, the Hispanic people, you know, just when you think about immigrants and, you know, they're still over there in ICE being detained, you know, they're still over there in those facilities, you know, we haven't forgotten about them. And I think this presidency with Trump, I don't think it just affected immigrants. It didn't just affect women. It didn't just affect black people. COVID was affecting every motherfucking body. And I think it needed to happen Simply because of the fact that I feel that if COVID didn't happen, on top of this happening right after that, I feel people would have been suckered into thinking like, okay, well, we can just vote for Trump again. Or we wouldn't have come out and felt the need to vote. No, he has to get out. And not only does he have to get out, we have to start paying attention to our local officials. We have to. And we have to start holding people accountable. We have to start holding our police officers accountable. We have to start holding our uh, mayors and governors accountable. I know that everybody is upset with Muriel Browser. And I know, Arshay, you are a Washingtonian. So I want to know what your thoughts are on the Black Lives Matter sign and on her in general. So I'm not really following her politically. 
I honestly, I am a Washingtonian, but I don't follow anything that she says for the most part. But I can tell you that a lot of people that do follow her want to get her out of there. So I can't really speak on her. I don't, I don't know if the, I kind of feel like the Black Lives Matter street and the painting on the, the street is kind of like, you know how people take your kids to the store mm-hmm. and they say, okay, you can't. Have this, can't have that, but then when you get to there and they, you get to the candy, and like, okay, you can have this one thing if you just do this and you just be quiet, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Kind of like shutting them up for that minute. Mm. And I feel like they thought that they were going to put there to shut us up. And see, I looked at it like, does that make sense? It does. And the analogy that I gave in my mind was like, apparently, Muriel has been fucking up and just. I've, over the week, I've been educating myself on it. But it reminds me of, you know, when you're about to have company come over and you go ahead and you clean up and you do that good, deep clean yeah. just just to show. That's kind of what it reminded me of, like, because now the whole world is the whole country is watching her because not only this happening in D.C., but this is the nation's capital. So she's there and she's battling Trump in her own city. You know what I mean? So I think this was done, but I think now is going to be her time to where she's going to have to go ahead and she's going to have to step up and she's going to have to, all eyes are going to be on her. She was able to sweep things under the rug before, but now she no longer can. So that's how I go ahead and I view this whole situation with her. So I know with Muriel Browser, um, some of the things that people were complaining about, they were saying that, you know, she was giving all of this extra money to the police departments. However, um, they, with doing that, they cut funding for school for the school systems in wards seven and eight in DC. Um, you know, they were upset about her because she was pushing forth the gentrification and then moving people out. The people who had been there for however long, moving them out of um, their respective neighborhoods and areas and things like that. So I understand it's upsetting to people, but you know, this is the time now. And again, I'm not a politician, but she need all eyes are now officially on her. Just like how everybody knows who Governor uh, Cuomo is in New York. Everybody now knows who she is. The whole fucking nation is watching. And I think this is a time where we have an advantage. Okay, the Black Lives Matter sign. That's cute. However, what are you going to do next? Exactly. That's what I was saying. I feel like when you take your kids to the grocery store, you and they're crying the whole entire time, and you're trying to get them to shut up, so you bribe them with candy. I feel like that Black Lives Matter painting on the street and the sign is basically saying, okay, here's your candy, now shut up. Yep. Yep. And that's it. And it doesn't fix the issue, and you don't know if next time they're going to go ahead and they're going to cut the fuck up in the store. So, yes, I agree with you. But also chiming into these things, these fucking celebrities. So before I go and I drag Trina's fucking ass, Justin Bieber. Okay. Please tell me what Trina said exactly, because I've been searching, trying to figure out what this woman has said exactly. Now, she said that it was edited. No. Okay. First of all, let me get to, let me get to uh, um, the beeps. 
So Justin Bieber went ahead and he released something on Instagram, and I I am a believer. Um, So this is what he says. He says, I am inspired by Black culture. I have benefited off of Black culture. My style, how I sing, dance, perform, and my fashion have all been influenced and inspired by Black culture. I'm committed to using my platform from this day forward to learn, to speak up about racial injustice and systemic oppression, and to identify ways to be a part of much-needed change. Okay, so before you say anything, I think a lot of people, the Kardashians, the Jenners, a lot of people need to copy and paste this, okay? Because a lot of these bitches out here want to be black so bad, but they don't want to be black when it counts. I was thinking the same thing, friend, and I specifically, specifically thought of Justin Timberlake first, and I was like, okay, Justin Timberlake, when are you going to come up and say something? Because he was walking his fro, and he was rocking his braids, and he was doing this, and he was doing that. I completely agree. But let's not forget that all those years ago, Justin Bieber did go ahead and sing, there's going to be one less lonely nigga. So we ain't forget that. We did not forget that. We did not forget that. But I, I like, I wonder what inspired him to go ahead and just come out and say that. But I do agree with you. Like, you have the Kardashians of the world. You have the Kardashians and the Jenners of the world. You have all of these, um, some of these artists coming up out here and they're saying, and they're, they're clearly influenced by black culture. And I think it's so important that they go ahead and like pay homage. Understand that. Be honest about it because you didn't come up to it because as soon as white people go ahead and they do it, it's trendy. Iggy Azalea, like you too. And she said, she has said like, like, you know, she wasn't, she always grew up listening to hip hop, whatever the case was, but there have definitely been instances where she said, she has said um, some insensitive things towards the black community. Um, But I was not expecting that from Justin Bieber at all. Like at all. he's going to I don't know I'm curious to see like how he is going to um, move forward from that who Justin Bieber yeah and I'm sure some of his white fans and followers are probably like I'm sure he's received some type of black backlash but I, I appreciate that he understood that it's bigger than him so I appreciate that and I'm, he probably did get some black to the beeps shout out to the beeps okay now let's get to trina's ass so miami rapper trina i guess she's on a radio morning show in miami florida and she was having a conversation with trick daddy and i listened to the audio and essentially well first how i found out masiko was dragging her and saying like how could you say something like that blah 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 
So then when I went to listen to it, essentially summing it up, Trina was saying, y'all are tearing up the city of Miami. Y'all are out here acting like animals, tearing up stores, um, having no self-control. They need to go ahead and move the curfew up to 6 p.m. from 6 to, from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So y'all are out here on these Miami streets. Now, before we move forward, Trina wasn't the only celebrity who went ahead and said something. So the Dream went ahead and also made a statement about um, them tearing things up in Atlanta. He says, I'm a black business owner. He was just like, you know, stop tearing up our stuff. He was like, you know, we have to, that's our city. Atlanta is black owned, black this, black that. And y'all are coming to tear up Atlanta. Um, and I believe 2 Chains had said something, but he quickly recanted his statement. And my thought before Trina went ahead and she apologized is I'm not for the looting at all. However, and no, the dollars, you can you can have insurance on your company. You can buy things back, but you can't buy lives back. I get that. I understand that. But I could not imagine being a business owner. And I saw this one video of this black man and people were getting ready to loot his store. And he went off. He was just like, I'm a black man. He was just like, I come from the same neighborhood y'all do. He was just like, and I have built myself up from the ground up from nothing to here. He was just like, don't tear up my fucking store. So people were then, um, so then he got people and they were protecting his store, yada, yada, yada. But when the celebrities do it, what is your thought about that? So I agree with you as far as like, I'm not for the looting. Like that's not cool. That's not something that we should be doing. I feel like if we're going to do anything, we need to stop supporting these main mainstream and big companies and support black businesses. When it comes to celebrities and black businesses, as far as like the dream, I agree, like yes, don't tear out my stuff, but at the same time, you can't put a price on a black life. Or anybody's life, yeah. Right, well, anybody's life, but just particularly black, because we are the main ones that are getting pulled over and getting killed at gunpoint for a, tra- a traffic stop, or you, you just, you know. But I, I don't know. I feel like this is a very difficult topic. I feel like celebrities, you have the money to rebuild versus a person that's coming from middle class or from the poor and started from the bottom, had to jump through all these damn hoops to get licenses, insurance companies, loans. That's a hard process. Just being a business owner is hard as fuck. And then to have to start over because people are physically breaking in, taking and stealing versus it being like a natural disaster. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just my thought. I don't think we should be out here breaking these businesses. If we're going to break them, break them with our money. We spend all of our money on Michael Kors and name bags and Jordan tennis shoes. Yep. And the black dollar is very powerful. Gucci and Fendi shit. But we out here living in Section 8 apartments Ooh. and all these other things. We like, have to do that, friend. Ooh. No. Okay, I'm just being honest. <laughs> yes, go ahead. I'm just being honest. Like, I know some of us are in certain circumstances where we can only afford what we can afford. But at the same time, when you get your tax money back, we're the first ones giving our money to the white man. We are here buying Gucci, Fendi, Louis, mm-hmm. but they're not supporting us. They're stealing from our cultures. 
Yep. Who was that um that um that designer that just stole from like a fraternity trying to put their logo a black fraternity at that trying to put their logo Oh yeah, I remember logo. that. I remember, I remember that. We have to be smart when we do these things and how we move. I remember that. That's very true. And I think I, I think with this, I think we're going to have to, as the black community, there's going to be a lot of conversations. We're going to have to have another, a lot of honest, uncomfortable conversations if we are ever going to move forward. Um, but Trina, after she went ahead and she had her backlash, of course, she came and she apologized. And she said from the bottom of her heart, she's apologizing for any of the grief that she's caused. She says, I live my life on the values of respect and regard for all people, and I will continue to do so. None of us are perfect, but thank God we have the ability to reflect, dissect, and begin anew. The Here We Go rapper says she has been a roller coaster of emotions recently, which caused her to react to the country's climate inappropriately. I'm not perfect. I've fallen short. I've been racially profiled. I've had trouble articulating my emotions in the face of personal frustrations. She added that even though her initial comments were harsh, she stands with protesters and understands where their rage and pain is coming from and doesn't want that to be misunderstood. She said her comments. Whoops. Don't you hate when your laptop be jumping? She said her comments were geared towards those that are not out there with good intentions. I take full responsibility for my actions and for any confusion that I might have caused regarding my feelings and what we're all dealing with right now. When I said what I said, I was actually upset with those who are using this peaceful demonstration as a vehicle for their own emotions, for their own intentions. There was never an excuse for evil in these trying times. Do you forgive it? Are you, are you, are you accepting this apology? Because have you heard about these people that are coming from different towns and yeah. all these other things that are getting paid to be looters and breaking in? Well, I don't know if this is true. Yeah, and they've showed videos of that too, yeah. I understand that the black community, we are hurting at this time. But like I said previously, we don't need to hurt when we're in here spilling, breaking in to these stores. We can hurt them differently. We can hurt them financially. We spend 1.3, was it, was it billion or trillion dollars a year yep. on things? We can spend that on black-owned businesses, helping our brothers and sisters move from one tier to the next. Instead, we'd rather give our money to the white man who's out here giving his money to Trump, who's out here cutting checks with the police department not given any ethics training, apparently, or diversity training. Yeah, and I think what's crazy is, is like, we have money for all these, for the for the riot gear, for the police, for the this, to be building up fucking walls and fences around the parameter of the White House. But where was that money a couple weeks and months ago when these businesses had to go ahead and they were closing down, and then the medical professionals and staff did not have appropriate PPE gear? That's the part that kills me. So please take note, people, that we have, this country has money for the things that they want. They have money for it. Don't be fooled. Do not be fooled. And I think that's a bigger conversation, and I cannot stress this enough. If you are not educated, it is your job, it is your duty to when you are going out there. And I'm not as educated as I should be about, like, local politics and things like that, but they affect you. These are the moments and these are the times that they go ahead and affect you. So I think for me personally, like, 
I need to make a note to myself and to my future children or whatever the case is and for my loved ones that I need to educate myself on what's going on locally. Because what happens locally affects when we have our it affects our school systems. It affects our um, police departments. It affects our hospitals. It affects every single thing that we do on a day-to-day basis. It is not just the presidential election uh, that is the end-all, be-all. So, and I think that's what we are, tra- we are taught in school. Yeah. We are taught in school to only focus on the presidential election. Mm-hmm. And we're not even thinking about the people that we're putting in as House representatives and as Senate and as judges. And we're, we're not focusing on that. Agreed. Agreed. So I think if we're going to put money back into the school system, we need to change the curriculum. We need to add that. We need to add how to balance your checkbook, how to teach people about credit. We need to add the local politicians in, in school. We need to add these things that we, when we get out of school, we know nothing about. Yep. Especially in black and brown communities. Yep. We still got people out here still thinking that Christopher Columbus discovered America. It didn't need to be discovered. It wasn't lost. It wasn't exactly. lost. It wasn't lost. The same man that thought the earth was square. Yeah, flat. What was that rapper's name? I don't even know. Foolish self. But one last thing I wanted to talk to you about. The NFL released an apology. And they're trying to, I guess, make amends. But they still have not specifically recognized Colin Kaepernick. And now people are saying, this is why he kneeled. And then their news reports are coming out and saying that we missed the mark with Kaepernick. So really quick, I wanted to... My question for you is, if offered the opportunity to play again, should Kaepernick play? I don't know what other form of income he has coming in. I think he has enough income where he is fine. I personally, if I was Colin Kaepernick, I wouldn't do so. Because? Because I think that's a saving face for a brand. You chose now. I kneeled. When, when did all of his stuff take place? I think in 2016. Okay. So from 2016 now, with the rioting, the protesting, the looting is going on, this is them saving face if they sign him back. This man has been fighting for four years. I'm not even going to say for four years. He fought for, I want to say, at least a good year and a half to try to come back into the NFL. And they basically were saying no and blackballing him. So for them to try to reach out to him now would be basically trying to save a brand. Yep. I agree. The rosters of the football players and basketball players, or just in general, the majority of those players are of what race and ethnicity? They're black. Thank you. Thank you. And I I agree. Black dollar is important. Black bodies are important. Black bodies are important in football and basketball, period. Even in baseball, most of them are Dominicans, but you know, we got a little, you know, a little sprinkle of us in there. They black too. They black. They black. Um, I agree with you and I think my my statement I think is disgusting that they, I just want them, I don't, first of all, I don't think Colin, Colin Kaepernick should play again, period. If they offer it to you, no, because I think this is bigger than you. And I think he definitely, I think, 
I think probably initially he really wanted to get back out there and play, but I think he's aware now that, and I think things are starting to come together and him seeing that, you know what, if he didn't before, I'm, I think he should probably understand that this is bigger than you now. This is bigger than football. This is bigger than you because those very things that he was preaching and then he was saying, you know, here we are, like we are living it right now. And my statement stands that the NFL couldn't even acknowledge this man by name to go ahead and apologize. The NFL, like they were disrespectful to him. You know, they essentially blackballed him. They messed up that man's income, his career, so forth and so forth. And they were trying to penalize other players, you know, for going ahead and taking a stand. Like, you know, you're not allowed to do this and you're not allowed to do that, taking away their amendment right. And I think, and I cannot stress this enough, if we are going to move forward as a people, we cannot pick and choose when we want to go ahead and we want to be about the cause. Okay, we cannot. Don't just take this little piece of apology and think, okay, it's all right to go back. No, it's not. Don't, my belief on this, and I know football lovers out there all over the place, this is what Colin Kaepernick was standing for. And I definitely and I wholeheartedly feel that you cannot pick and choose. Don't go back. Don't be, oh, I support Cap. I'm wearing his jersey. I'm doing this, that, and the third. But then y'all was over there turning around watching the games again on Sunday as soon as y'all team play. It doesn't work like that. You have to pick one end of the fence. You cannot pick and choose when it's convenient for you. And I feel like the NFL has gone ahead and they've picked and they've chosen. Now it's convenient for them. It's convenient. And as you said, Arshe, we hold, we have, there's power in the black dollar. And I think that's something that we need to take heed. Now is when we need to go ahead and we need to demand these rights. I do. So that's just my spiel on that. Any other thing you want to add to this week, friend? Any other announcements? No announcements, friend. I just feel like these last three weeks have been overwhelming. Yep. And rest in peace and prayers to George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and um, Breonna Taylor. And please stop forgetting the woman, y'all. Please. Can we just not say her name? I think that's the hashtag. Yeah. All right. I have a music plug, friend. By an artist named Lucky Day featuring Babyface. And the song is called Shudda. And that's all I have for y'all this week. Anything else, friend? You said no? No. We're good for this week, friend. All right, bye guys. Bye.